Good morning. Welcome to Emmanuel this morning and to this uh, time of worship. As we worship today, we are uh, beginning our, uh, yeah, our new season. So welcome back to those of you who are all over the place all over the summer. It's good to be um, back in, in full numbers. We're here to worship God. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you have called us into this place at this time to worship you. And Lord, we simply pray that whatever takes place this morning, that we offer ourselves to you and that you take and transform what you've given us as gifts and what we're offering back to you and that you take that and transform that into an act of praise that changes lives, that shapes our hearts and that guides us into a deeper relationship with you. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, for that miracle to happen, that your spirit would come and enter deeply into each one of us and move through all that we do in our worship at this time. And this we pray in your holy name. Amen. That we receive God's word of greeting, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells among us. Amen. So the bulletin inside cover will give you a whole list of passages from Luke 22, right through the beginning of Luke 5. And I went over them, and I'm going to preach from them, and I couldn't decide which little piece would be the right piece to read because I'm going to use pretty much the whole thing, uh, jumping from here to there. So I'm not going to do a reading ahead of time. I'm going to actually encourage you to read uh, very specifically the passages listed on the inside of your bulletin in the service today um, throughout the week. Um, Because a great thing to do there is to, one, look for the passages or the parts that I skipped over, and two, to... um, see what does come to my mind, what do I remember, does that still make sense, what Pastor Eric said, and just as a reminder and a refresher to do that reading this week, okay? So do you put my PowerPoint up there. Making ministry milestones. We've been talking in the last year or so about using the term faith formation, which is a nice word for discipleship, which is another word for growing up in, in our relationship with Jesus, right? And one of the things we've been thinking about as staff and as leadership is is marking ministry milestones. So one of the milestones that we mark with pretty much everyone is is baptism, right? And later we'll have children come up who, who want to uh, participate in communion and they'll make a profession of faith. We have Sunday school graduation, right? We celebrate our different ministries in the spring. And we do these things to to recognize that there's this journey that we're on and we want to celebrate, just like we do with graduations in school, right? We want to celebrate the milestones that we make along the way and to recognize that there's this journey that's ongoing. Um, Today I want to look with you at um, the beginning of the life of Jesus, because Jesus also grew up as a human being among us, right? He grew up in his faith, in his understanding, and there's a lot of stuff that Jesus went through that I think is instructive and encouraging for us um, on our journey, okay? So we're going to be talking about growing up like Jesus, because in the end... Jesus is the ultimate role model for us. Someone once said recently to me, right, we spend a lot of time on the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that's important. It's usually about half the gospel, right? That's the event that changed everything. But there's a reason why his whole story is in there right from his birth, right? Because that's also instructive to us as a guide. So here we go, starting in Luke chapter 2. 
righteous by the rules, the reason for rituals. So right after the birth story that we read every Christmas of Luke 2, 1 through 20, you get these verses. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord. It seems to me that Luke, who wrote this, is pretty attentive to the fact that Joseph and Mary, Jesus' earthly parents, right, were very aware of what the law said, and they did their best to keep that law. All right? So there's this sense of what I call righteousness by rules, right? And I want to explain to you for a minute the reason for rituals. So as you may or may not know, I don't love repetitive ritual kind of stuff, all right? We don't do a lot of responsive readings here, right? That'd be my fault, all right? I like things where we actually say something new and fresh. That said, we do the baptism with a little bit of input from the parents almost the same every single time. Our order of service is really incredibly consistent. We do that on purpose, by the way. I know you think we do it because we're lazy, but we really do it on purpose so that you can experience a pattern in your life that brings you intentionally into the presence of God. All right? And so when we do these regular ritual laws of Moses, law of the Lord kinds of things, what gives them power is the fact that that becomes our habit and our way of living and our expectation for how things work. Right? I've been reading a book lately that talks about how we also have this whole cultural ritual called going to the mall. Right? And it's a lot like worship. Right? We go there because we have the sense that that's where we're supposed to be. And that if we go there and buy something, this is what our culture tells us, if we go there and purchase something, that's going to make us feel better and energize us for the next week or time. Sounds like a lot what we say when we come to worship. We come here to meet God so that he can feed us with his word. Right? And in doing so, we'll be prepared and energized for the rest of the week. So, Joseph and Mary kept the rules. They were righteous by the rules. However, we need this piece. This is how ritual comes to life. While they're at the temple, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So in the previous few verses, Luke says, Law of the Lord, law of the Lord, law of the Lord. In these verses, he says, The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I want to suggest to you that he does this intentionally because those two things have to hang together. All right, so one of our rituals, of course, is showing up on Sunday morning and sitting here, right? And when we do that ritual, we also need the Simeon piece of it is unless the Holy Spirit moves through whatever it is that we're doing in our regular worship activities, right, it's just dead activity. You also need an openness to allowing those rituals, those regular activities, to have the Spirit infuse them and bring them to life and change them. My regular prayer before a worship service is, Lord, take what we offer and use it to transform us. All right? And I've told you many times that my experience often up here is that God takes what we offer, what I offer, right? And he adds to it and he changes it and he uses it in a way that goes beyond what we've prepared, right? And so this can't be mere ritual, right? It needs to also be a ritual in which we experience God at work. Now, of course... If I knew the secret to making that happen every single time, I would. But that's part of the mystery of being the church, right? There are days where I come up here thinking, you know what, at the end of the sermon, everybody's going to come forward for prayer after the service. 
right? And there's other sermons where I go, yeah, well, there's always next week. Usually how you experience it is almost backwards from what I experience, which is just an ongoing thing to recognize God's in charge of the church. He knows what's going on in your life. He finds ways to speak through me, through the songs, through the prayers, through whatever else happens in this place to touch your life. But the Holy Spirit and the ritual both need to be a part of the journey. And then there's a blessing to the parents. I remember distinctly times along the way in my life where people would come to me and they would talk about my son Ben and they'd talk about my daughter Charlotte, they'd talk about Kara, right? And they'd say, you know, they really do this well. Isn't that wonderful, right? That's a powerful moment in the life of a parent, right? When you recognize that someone is seeing something in your children. Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph, and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause falling and rising of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Not the funnest blessing you're ever going to receive as a parent, but an important thing. Simeon is saying to Mary, This son of yours is destined for greatness, but that won't come easy. It'll come as a price, and you're going to feel that pain too. The strange thing about being followers of Jesus in this world and parents at the same time is that God calls us first to offer our children to him, to recognize, as we say in baptism, that they're actually his children, and also recognize that we may need to encourage them along the way even to go places that are a bit scary, that are a bit challenging, to step out in faith and stand for what it means to stand for Jesus Christ in this world. There's also a prophet, Anna. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She blessed them with a recognition that this is a child of God. And I want to encourage you as a community, not only to Sean and Deb, but to anyone else who's a parent who you interact with their children, right? Speak into their lives. Speak into the lives of the children. Speak into the lives of the parents because little words of encouragement along the way have an incredible amount of power to touch people's lives, right? And you know that the opposite's also true. Little words of discouragement. You hardly need to tell a parent where their child is kind of here and off the path because we're quite aware of it. Thank you very much, right? If your child cries during the service, who's the person who's most aware of what's going on there, right? Is the person in the back corner? No, it's the parent. Good job taking him out, by the way. Thanks. Alrighty. <laughs> that would have been an awkward moment if he started crying right there, eh? The all-by-itself principle. I've raised this principle years ago as, as Jesus' image of if you plant a seed, sure, you, you till the soil and you water and you fertilize, but nobody can make a seed grow. It grows all by itself, or it grows out of the nature that God put into that seed. It's kind of true of raising children as well. Right? My conclusion after having raised my children to adulthood is that chances are they raised me as much as I raised them. Right? We were going to take our dog to obedience school, and someone told us that it's not obedience school for the dog, it's obedience school for the owner. Right? They train the owner how to do what they need to do. Children have this sort of way of doing that as well, is that you think right? you want to teach them how to do a whole bunch of things, but chances are they're going to show you that that wasn't the best way to teach them because that's not their nature, right? We had these great plans for how we're going to toilet train our children and so on. And my conclusion after a while was simply this. 
well, I've never seen anyone graduate from high school in diapers, so chances are they're going to figure it out. God put it in them to figure this out at their time in their kind of way. Sean and Deb now, like many of us, are outnumbered by their children. They have three children. And so they have to live in fear of the fact that at some point they might have a coup, right? And they're going to be outvoted. And Weston's going to be in charge, right? And there's nothing you can do about that in a democratic country, right? And the simple principle is understanding that with childhood, with the church, with life, God's in charge. He has implanted in us his spirit, his truth, his life. And really our job is to celebrate that and to nurture it and to point it out and say, wow, there's God at work growing my child, growing myself, growing our community. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. The grace of God grew the child, true also for us. Festivals, family, friends, you've probably heard the line, it takes a village to raise a child. As I mentioned earlier, I, uh, we were at my niece's wedding yesterday, Right, And weddings are, are those wonderful celebrations where family and friends come together. And, and I know this niece reasonably well. right? But to see different people who were important to her along the way right, come and speak and, and just simply be there and recognize that all of these people raised Brianne. Right? Not just us, not just her family, all of us as a village. After, we, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, right? That's a cool community, right? When you can be walking for days on a journey with a large group of people and suddenly go, wait a minute, where's our child? We assume he's with all those people. How many of you have a story of how you were left behind at church because your parents, anyone? Yeah, right? Okay, wow. <laughs> I'll have a session afterwards. We'll all grieve together. And You are loved. They just, you know, had a lot of kids. <laughs> We as a community, again, are raising the children of this community. And who's kidding who? We're raising the adults of this community together. We're responsible for each other, right? And so on this journey, you can trust along the way that when your kids are here at Underground, that that's a bad example. You can trust Beth to take care of your kids on Wednesday. Yeah, okay, you can. All right. Um, and all the other things that we do along the way, you're, you're putting them there in their hands because we together have a vested interest in seeing this being a community right, where God's life is powerfully moving among us. And then, of course, there's the formal education, and I like this kind of formal education. After three days, they found Jesus in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Right. So I'm teaching the leadership thing with Beth on uh, Thursday nights, right? and I quickly surprised those who came out that my teaching style is basically to get you to tell me what you already know about this and to draw that out, right? Jesus went to the teachers and said, these are my questions. And whenever I teach, I always have this strong sense that your question for me is probably far more important than what I think I need to tell you because your question is actually burning on your mind. And when I answer your question, right, we're touching on something that's pertinent to you in the moment. Of course, not all teaching can work this way, right? But it gives us this opportunity to recognize that like Jesus, there's this passion inside people to grow and when you can find as a leader as a teacher when you can find that passion and and feed it right then you're blessing somebody deeply in an educational opportunity then the pause for reflection his mother 
treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Along the way as a community, along the way as parents, we need to pause and reflect, what's God been doing in our lives? What's got off track? Where have we lost patterns that we need to re-uphold? Right? What do we need to rededicate ourselves to and re-energize ourselves to? Uh, if you were here a few weeks ago when I mentioned that on December 31st, I'd like to take away all your memberships and let you re-sign up on January 1st. One, apparently I got your attention, so that's good. And two, I need you to know it's not really about the membership thing. It's about whether or not you can pause, and that's a great time, January 1st, and rededicate yourself to what does it really mean for me to follow Jesus? I trust none of us has an argument against rededicating ourselves to what it means to follow Jesus. Right? As a community, we hold each other responsible. When you actually take membership in this church, the formal um, questions written in the hymn book, in the back of the hymn book, say, I promise to submit to the authority and discipline of the church. Right? And authority and discipline isn't meant to be a mean thing. It's meant to be something that says, what would help you grow? How can I spur you on to love and good deeds, to use the words of Hebrews? How can we encourage you to take the steps that you probably need you know, need you know, know you need to do, right? But I have a hard time getting over that step, right? Most people, plenty of studies on this, don't just change because they heard a good idea, right? Most of us change because there's some sort of relationship in which there's accountability and conversation where we commit ourselves to, I want to go here. And we say to somebody else, Will you help me go there? Will you hold me accountable on that journey? We need to pause and reflect regularly, beginning of the season like now, beginning of the year like January 1st, right? And think about how are we growing in Christ? And then baptism and profession of faith. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven You are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. The event of baptism today needs to connect, like it did in in this example from Jesus, with a profession of faith. In other words, in words saying, I believe in God as my Father, and Jesus as my Savior, and the Spirit as my guide. But it also needs to connect with the Holy Spirit coming and filling so as you may know, there's lots of traditions where they don't baptize infants, and we discuss those kinds of things. And probably because I grew up in a time in our tradition where there were so many arguments and so many battles, and it was always about whether you're right or wrong, whether you're in or out, that it's always been my goal and my privilege to hang around with folks who think a little differently about even important things like baptism and find the fact that we're still one body and there's still only one baptism because Jesus said so. And so that for people who baptize later in life, what we're really seeing is they still say you've got to have the water baptism, you've got to have the public profession of your faith, and you have to have the Holy Spirit. And that way we are one. We agree. We need to do it the way Jesus did with the Holy Spirit, with the profession. In his case, it's great. God the Father made his profession for him and said, You are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. And that's really the message of baptism this morning, too. Right? Wes didn't, didn't answer any questions. Did he? No? Okay. Right? God answered the question. God said, you're mine. You will be my people. You will be my child. Right? And now we're going to call Weston along the way to answer that call in his life.
And then tests, challenge, and stretching. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. That's the biggest understatement in the Bible. He fasted for 40 days and was hungry. Notice that it's the Holy Spirit that sends Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted and tested. All right? So sometimes life puts us in circumstances where we're already feeling the temptations and the testing and the challenge and the stretching and all those kinds of things, right? As Krista testified this morning, those are often faith-building moments, right? Thank God for them. Brilliant line, exactly. Thank God for them. You might not thank Him right in the moment, but thank God that He has stretched you in all kinds of amazing ways. If you're just kind of cruising along in life and wondering, boy, I don't know that I'm really growing, there's lots of ways to actually enter into times of stretching and challenge right join brian and being a cadet leader there's a stretch for you there's a challenge right there's all kinds of ways in which as we say i need to allow god to work on me i'm going to step out right because you know that actually nobody likes being in a small group right we don't do that because we know everyone's just saying boy small groups are so much fun because i get to share from my heart to people i don't really know yet right we know that's a stretch That's why we're inviting you in. That's why we're pushing you in that direction. Because we believe that just like Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in the desert to be tempted, the Holy Spirit will lead you into a place of relationship where you go, I actually wasn't planning on saying that, but I am so glad that I shared. This uh, past Thursday, we had our first uh, leadership training session, Beth and I and the students who came out. I asked them at the end, how was that? Right? And they were nice enough not to say, well... He said, that's a little bit more challenging than we expected it to be. And that's good, right? That's how we need to go in our teaching, that we challenge each other, we stretch each other, because that's how we grow in the faith. It's always been true. And then preaching to mixed reviews. I'm not sure why I put this up here. I'm really just getting myself in trouble. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone was praised. everyone praised him. Great day for preaching for Jesus. 14 verses later. All the people in synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town to the edge of a cliff. And because he was the son of God, Jesus was saved by the Spirit guiding him through that crowd. All right? This isn't about my preaching. This is about when you grow in your faith and you have a call to teach, to preach, to work with people, to connect with people, to serve. Whatever it is that you're doing in your call, You're going to get both, man, yeah, you've got gifts, that's awesome. And you're going to get, I didn't like that. All right? And part of the journey is recognizing that, like Jesus, we didn't get called to do things that make people happy. We get called to do things that God calls us to do, to live according to his plan and his call in his life. When I teach leadership, I always tell people, if you're not getting any negative feedback, you're not leading. It's really that simple. Right? If you're just making everybody happy, that's not leadership. Right? That's patting people on the head. God recognizes that there's a challenge in this world where we need to step further. That's why he sent his son to the most incredibly challenging task there is, coming here to be our savior, dying on the cross and rising from the dead. Right? And delivering and healing. 
as we go on this journey of faith as a community, if we're going to follow the way Jesus did ministry, we're not only going to learn about him and the stories and be able to teach and share, we're actually going to be called to let the Spirit work through us for the transformation of other people's lives. We are, right? Not just Eric. Right? This isn't a calling for, for denominationally ordained ministers. The calling of Jesus' ministry, as we saw when um, Emily Vendant came, is something that you can teach people to trust the Spirit and to step out in faith. I've taught people to do prayer ministry. All of these things are about recognizing we're really called to grow to a point where we can minister to others. Where it's not just about us receiving, it's about us touching the lives of others. Jesus teaches it quite simply. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And then the demon threw the man down before them and came out without injuring him. A couple of verses later it says, At sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus says to us, Greater things than these you will do, because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. All right? Jesus said, You're going to do the kind of ministry that I did, because this isn't about everybody seeing me. It's about me multiplying myself through you. And so that's where we land. Oh, no, there's one more first. No, we're going to skip it and go to the last one. Multiplying ministry milestones. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Once Jesus was trained and prepped in ministry and going, and he had shown his authority and his power, and people were taking note that there's something real going on here. God's at work through Jesus. When they saw that, then Jesus started calling people and saying, Come follow me. Come follow me. You're going to do this as well. And so each of us is on this journey of growing, right? As a body, we're growing each other up. But the goal is that we're also encouraging each other. Who else are you going to invite in? Who are you going to teach? Who's going to be on the journey with you? Who else can you pass on your role, your abilities, your skills, your calling, your gifts to on this journey? Because the purpose of the church, and we need to continually remind ourselves of this, the purpose of the church it's not that we do the ritual and say, all right, I went to church. The purpose of the church is a mission, the mission of God, to reach all kinds of people, to touch all kinds of lives, to be a transforming agent in our society. And we see signs of that. We see signs of that in individuals' lives. We see signs of that in the ministries that we do here with our kids and with our community, the signs of it as we go on out there, right? But let's continue to recognize but the call on our lives from God is to grow up in our faith to the point where we can minister with power in the lives of others, right? And the way we get there starts with humbly saying, God, here I am. Take me, use me, shape me, and guide me for your purposes. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for gathering us. We thank you for your love for us. And we're aware and perhaps a bit uncomfortable with the fact that your love for us includes a claim on our lives, a claim to surrender to you. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that by the power of your Spirit, you would convict us to step out in faith and to allow you to both transform our lives and to turn us into servants who make a difference in the lives of others. And so we pray, Lord Jesus offering to rededicate ourselves, offering to take a moment to 
pause and reflect on what you've been doing in our life to prepare us for this moment. And then dropping all that we need to drop and following you. And so we just pray, Jesus, that by your Spirit, you convict each of us in your way of exactly what it is you need us to see for ourselves. May we have the boldness to step in and to step out into all that's offered in your world, in your kingdom, and in this church. This we pray in your name. Amen. We go with God's blessing. The Lord blesses you and he keeps you. He makes his face to shine upon you and is gracious to you. The Lord our God turns his face to you and gives you his peace now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.